Welcome, everyone, to the Veterans News Hour with David Corey and Richard Hurley, a national news and talk program dedicated to military veterans' issues. And now, your hosts, David Corey and Richard Hurley. Good evening. Welcome to the Veterans News Hour for January the 4th, 2021, our first show of the new year. This is Air Force veteran David Corey along with my co-host Richard Hurley. Thanks for joining us this evening and Happy New Year, everyone. Let's hope and pray this next year is a great deal better than the last one. Meanwhile, we've got a great show for you tonight and to get things rolling, let's go over to Richard Hurley. Hello, Richard. How you doing? Hey, David. I'm doing good and Happy New Year, everybody. Hope everybody had a safe and sound New Year's Eve. I um, <clears throat> hope everybody's uh, looking forward to a, a good new year. We are here at uh, the Veterans News Hour, uh, Corey and Hurley Law Group. A lot, of, a lot of veterans out there to help, and and we we try doing some of that here at the Veterans News Hour. And as David said, we do have lots of news and developments for veterans and their families, so stay tuned. Uh, first, though, I want to remind everybody that this is a call-in show. We welcome your views, your comments, and your questions, so please call us at any time during the show at 1-888-627-6008. And again, that's 1-888-627-6008. We don't have any guests here tonight, so this would be a great time for you to to, to chime in and, and let us know uh, what's going on in, in your world, veterans, um, what's, what's happening with you in the VA or maybe you're at the BVA level. Are we having some problems getting cases scheduled? I mean, here's an opportunity to to, to talk to David and myself. Uh, we've got some big news that David's going to talk about regarding uh, Vietnam War veterans and uh, conditions regarding Parkinson's, bladder cancer, and hypothyroidism. Can't wait to hear about that. So, uh, again, just give us a shout at one 627 6008 But let's kick this thing back off and over to you, David. Thanks, Richard. Um, we tried to um, pass on news uh, from various sources that uh, may be of interest to veterans and their families. And the first item after tonight is courtesy of the American Legion. We've had uh, guests from the American Legion on our show over the past um, several years, and uh, it's a great organization. And um, one of the news items they have this week is to um, announce and they announced on their website uh, that um, children of who have lost parents, parents lost their lives while honorably serving on active duty on or after 9-11, as well as children of post-9-11 veterans who have a combined VA disability rating of 50% or higher are eligible to apply for the American Legion Legacy Scholarship. Uh, since the Legacy Scholarship's first grant in 2004, 401 military children of the fallen and disabled have received over $3.6 million in aid. Now, this Legacy Scholarship provides financial aid for graduate or postgraduate tuition, books, room and board, meal plans, and other supplies needed to achieve a higher education. It is a needs-based scholarship. The grant amount each scholarship recipient will receive will be based on his or her financial need after 
all federal and state aid is exhausted. Recipients will have a year to use the grant and may reapply to the American Legion Legacy Scholarship up to six times. Now, the number of scholarships awarded and the amount of financial aid granted to each awardee, this includes returning applicants, will be determined on donations to the scholarship fund and on one's financial needs. <clears throat> Legacy Scholarship Awards are made possible from donations to the American Legion Legacy Scholarship Fund. Uh, the Legacy Scholarship application for the year 2021 is now online at the website legion.org forward slash scholarships forward slash legacy. Again, that website is legion.org forward slash scholarships forward slash legacy. Uh, but if you have trouble remembering that, uh, go to legion.org, the homepage, and you'll see news about this scholarship program. As I say, the application process for 2021 is now online at legion.org forward slash scholarships forward slash legacy. The application deadline is April 15th, so you still have plenty of time to apply, but don't wait to the last minute. For additional information about the scholarship and eligibility requirements, please learn more at the website legion.org forward slash scholarships forward slash legacy, forward slash about. Again, easy starting point is just go to legion.org, which is the homepage for the American Legion. Now, the 2021 American Legion Legacy Scholarship recipients will be selected by the American Legion's Committee on Youth Education during the organization's annual spring meetings in May. All applicants, whether recipients of the Legacy Scholarship or not, uh, in the past, will be notified immediately Thereafter, So that's good news, and it's one of many uh, programs sponsored by uh, the American Legion. Again, check out their website, legion.org, and if you're financially able to donate to this scholarship fund, I'm sure the American Legion would appreciate that as well. Now, Rick, uh, let's go back over to uh, Rick Hurley. I know he has some news for us. Yeah, we the VA Caregiver Support Group. Part of the VA's historic change to the caregiver support program, the department began the first phase of expanding its program of comprehensive assistance for family caregivers, PCAFC, on October 1st, 2020, which extended the program to eligible veterans who incurred or aggravated a serious injury in the line of duty on or before May 7th, 1975. Up until this change, the program was only for post-9-11 veterans and the care, their caregivers. The second phase of the expansion, effective October 1st, 2022, will expand the program to eligible veterans who incurred or aggravated serious injury in the line of duty between May 7th, 1975 and September the 11th, 2001. The program offers assistance to family caregivers of eligible veterans, including education, training, a monthly stipend, and more. To learn about the VA's caregiver support group, contact your local facilities VA caregiver support coordinator or call the caregiver support line at 1-855-260-3274. They're available from 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Monday through Friday, and 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Saturday. Their website is caregiver.va.gov. Again, that's caregiver.va.gov. You know, David, this is 
these types of programs are are really good good uh, programs for our, our our families of veterans who can who can help their veterans when they're trying to come back from in this case with Iraq and Afghanistan and and they're kind of struggling and uh, they, a lot of times they come home they they move in to, back home with mom and dad maybe a sibling and they're kind of just lounging around the house they're not really doing much. Uh, they're kind of maybe struggling with PTSD or, or they've got some physical issues, but they're just not operating at 100%. And you know, these types of programs can really then help the family, uh, help that veteran. So again, that number is 1-855-260-3274 or go to their website at caregiver.va.gov. Back to you. Yep. And as far as the caregiver uh, support program, you know, we've had a guest on our show uh, several times in the past, Lauren Price, who really is a, a national expert on the caregiver support program and its and its many flaws. It's a program which is designed basically to enable veterans to continue to live in their homes, even though they're severely disabled or significantly disabled, and to have it usually a family member as their caregiver. Uh, it's a it's a complex program, and as our Past guest Lauren Price has explained in detail. Um, there's significant controversy surrounding it, and basically the development in the last year was to expand it uh, to another generation of, um, of veterans. We'll see how that works works out. But uh, again, it's there, and it's something people need to know about, which is why we're publicizing it. <clears throat> Let's move on to some other news. In big news for Vietnam War veterans, uh, in particular. Uh, National Defense Authorization Act for fiscal year 2021 added three new disabilities to the Agent Orange presumptive list for disability compensation under Title 38 U.S. Code Section 1116, subparagraph A2. Uh, these three new additions to the presumptive list are, park are Parkinsonism, bladder cancer, and hypothyroidism. Again, that's Parkinsonism, bladder cancer, and hypothyroidism. Now, please know that Parkinsonism is different from Parkinson's disease. Parkinson's disease was previously added to the Agent Orange list a while back and has been on that list for a while. And what this new law adds uh, of those three new conditions is Parkinsonism. And for those of you may, who may be wondering, what is that? I'd like to uh, quote from the Parkinson's Foundation website, which is parkinson.org, that describes it as follows. Quote, Parkinsonism is a general term that refers to a group of neurological disorders that cause movement problems similar to those seen in Parkinson's disease, such as tremors, slow movement, and stiffness. Under the category of Parkinsonism, uh, there are a number of dis disorders, some of which have yet to be clearly defined or named. Early in the disease process, it is often hard to know whether a person has idiopathic meaning of unknown origins, Parkinson's disease, or a syndrome that mimics it. Parkinsonisms, also known as atypical Parkinson's disease or Parkinson's plus, represent about 10 to 15 percent of all diagnosed cases of Parkinsonism. These syndromes tend to progress more rapidly than Parkinson's disease, present with additional symptoms such as early falling, dementia, or hallucinations, 
and do not respond or respond only for a short time to levodopa therapy. Following are descriptions of some of the most common Parkinson's plus disorders. It is important to remember that many people will not exhibit the, the cardinal symptoms necessary for a diagnosis of a specific disorder and will simply be labeled Parkinsonism. Uh, for these people, a definite diagnosis will come only if a family requests a brain autopsy at death. Now, for the, for the complete list and more detail, go to parkinson.org and, uh, and do a search on that webpage for Parkinsonism, and it will then elaborate more on what I was just reading as well as the list of, of symptoms. So, again, the National Defense Authorization Act for fiscal year 2021, which was just enacted by, uh, they overrode President Trump's veto. President Trump had vetoed the bill, not because of the Agent Orange issue, but for other unrelated reasons. And then the Senate and the House both voted to override that veto. The, the House overrode it first, and then the Senate passed it uh, by a, a vote of 81 to 13 over the veto, and that was done um, just on January 1st of this year, just a few days ago. <clears throat> so, in addition to Parkinsonism and bladder cancer, the third new condition on the Agent Orange presumptive list is hypothyroidism. According to the website WebMD, hypothyroidism, also called underactive thyroid disease, is a common disorder. With hypothyroidism, your thyroid gland does not make enough thyroid hormone. The thyroid gland is located in the front lower part of your neck. Hormones released by the gland travel throughout through your bloodstream and affect nearly every part of your body, from your heart and brain to your muscles and skin. The thyroid controls how your body's cells use energy from food, a process called metabolism. Among other things, your metabolism affects your body's temperature, your heartbeat, and how well you burn calories. If you don't have enough thyroid hormone, your body processes slow down. That means your body makes less energy and your metabolism becomes sluggish. Various symptoms of hypothyroidism uh, include uh, the following, although these symptoms can be vague and they often mimic other conditions. That's what's tricky about it. Uh, they can include, uh, for women, changes in the menstrual cycle. Uh, for anyone, constipation, depression, dry hair and hair loss, dry skin, elevated cholesterol, fatigue, greater sensitivity to cold, hoarse voice, joint pain, stiffness, and swelling, problems with memories, muscle aches and stiffness, muscle weakness, puffy face, low heart rate, swelling of the thyroid gland, uh, sometimes referred to as goiter, and unexplained weight weight gain or difficulty losing weight, as well as carpal tunnel syndrome. So you can see from this wide range of symptoms uh, that uh, that those can have various other causes. There's an overlap with many other conditions, so I guess it could be tricky to figure out when, and doctors have to do their thing to figure it out. But in any event, so those three new conditions have been added uh, to the list. Now, as a quick refresher, you know, when we mention this Agent Orange presumptive list, what are we talking about? Well, as most people already know, <clears throat> Agent Orange was a tactical herbicide used by the United States military for control of vegetation, um, particularly commonly used in, in uh, South Vietnam during the war. It was named Agent Orange because of the orange band around the 
storage barrel used in many instances, but there are other colors used as well. The military sprayed Agent Orange and other tactical herbicides during the Vietnam War, and veterans who may have been exposed to the Agent Orange include veterans who served in different locations, including not only Vietnam, but in some ships off the coast of Vietnam, in the Korean demilitarized zone, or on uh, Thailand Air Force bases. We, the United States had forces stationed in Thailand, for instance, and they used uh, Agent Orange to, de to defoliate, basically to kill vegetation for security purposes on bases. Uh, but it was also used at other locations and, and uh, even transported in and sprayed from C-123 aircraft. So those who flew on or worked on C-123 aircraft also are covered. Now, the recent change in the law is the most recent expansion of the list of illnesses which the VA will presume was due to Agent Orange exposure. More information can be found on the VA website, va.gov. Now, before I go into more detail, because it might be a good opportunity tonight to kind of do a refresher of this whole Agent Orange thing, before I do that, though, let's uh, let's go back over to Richard Hurley. In case Richard, do you have any uh, thoughts on this? Any observations, comments? Well, I just think it's it's great. It's, you know, it's long overdue. Um, I can't tell you over the years of Corey and Hurley how many times we've we've had Vietnam vets who've come to us with with these three conditions, and uh, and, and there was no presumption through Agent Orange, so. Most of the time, if you didn't get a nexus letter, you were, you were out cold. Like, you know, I find it interesting also that, you know, the bladder cancer, you know, number one, one of the number one causes of bladder cancer is smoking. And we used to get, you know, one, one of the things we used to get is, uh, well, the veterans denied for bladder cancer because there's a history of smoking. Well, so now we don't have to worry about that one anymore and kind of laugh. I've been talking to a bunch of, over the last couple of days with a bunch of Vietnam veterans. We were talking about this new legislation, and and they were all laughing, saying, you know, when we were in Vietnam, and we were given these little packs, and there would be an apple in there, or cookies, and some dry meat, or something. There'd always be at least a half a dozen cigarettes sitting in these little packs, and we were 18-year-old kids, and right out there in the fields of, of Vietnam, eating our little pack and smoking our little cigarettes. And some of them would say to me, "Yeah, I didn't even smoke cigarettes before I got to Vietnam," and I used to get those packs, and next thing I know, by the time I got home, I was a chain smoker. So, uh, anyway, just kind of an observation on my part, and, and it's based upon just dealing with veterans day in and day out who've had to deal with these uh, conditions. Uh, and, uh, you know, the other sad thing, you know, it's like the Blue Water Vets, uh, David. It's great that, you know, Congress steps up to the plate and finally uh, does the right thing and, and does and connects these, these diseases. Uh, presumptively through, because of the exposure to Agent Orange. But think about all the men and women, women who have died from these without receiving the benefit of these new legislations. So, you know, it's kind of bittersweet. Yes, it's great that they're doing it and, and they did the right thing, but it is long, long overdue. And I hate to be, you know, going water on, on this new legislation, but, you know, it kind of ticks me off when I think about all the veterans that we've represented over the years and when these conditions have been an issue for them and some of them aren't even here anymore to take advantage of it. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well said. That's my, my two takes on it. Yeah. 
you know, it, you know, it's like, I know I'm kind of digressing here, but we, are we going to wait 20 more years for the, for Congress to finally step up and start doing something about the burn pits? Yeah, you know, the answer is yes, apparently. <laughs> you know, it's just constantly de- delay and we're going to have a lot of veterans dying in the meantime. And then lo and behold, someone's going to pass it and say, oh, we, isn't this a great thing that we're doing for our veterans? Yeah, but where were you 20 years ago? So, all right. Well, another another uh, perspective is um, if you went back in time um, to the 1960s and early 1970s when the Vietnam War was going on, I, I doubt anyone was really imagining. Certainly, no one was talking about, at least through the media, that um, during the war that the use of Agent Orange. Uh, to basically kill the jungles where the enemy was hiding, uh, would 50 plus years later, um, the federal government would, um, still be compensating, you know, many, many thousands of Vietnam veterans for a long and growing list of, uh, diseases and cancers. And it also just shows, uh, you know, the, the costs of war. I mean, the, the United States government is literally still paying and will be for quite a long time uh, paying for the Vietnam War. <clears throat> and it certainly doesn't end with the Vietnam War. The, the post 9-11 wars, the government will be paying for, you know, for for many, many more decades. It's just an observation. But let's go back to Agent Orange information. And this is basically a refresher for some, a reminder, and will be new will be new information for some of our other listeners. As far as Agent Orange, the VA offers eligible veterans a free Agent Orange registry health exam uh, to look for possible long-term health problems related to exposure to Agent Orange. The VA also offers health care, disability compensation, and other benefits to eligible veterans uh, for a long list of diseases, which I'll talk about in a moment as well as the benefits for children of Vietnam veterans who have spina bifida. Dependents and survivors may also be eligible for other benefits. And as a side note, when you're thinking about the effects of Agent Orange on service members who may have spent, um, you know, months or maybe a year or so over in Vietnam, by comparison, consider the people, the Vietnamese people, who live there the entire time and who still live there, and uh, that's a whole other issue that uh, is insufficiently reported, although the people in Vietnam certainly live with with the long-term effects um, affecting subsequent generations and uh, even more so than they've affected uh, U.S. service members. Now, um, as far as the VA and American veterans, the VA has recognized certain cancers and other health problems as presumptive diseases associated with exposure to Agent Orange or uh, other related herbicides. And I'm going to go over this list here. Um, obviously, it's a long list, and uh, those interested, rather than expect to take notes from what I'm going to review, go to va.gov, website va.gov, and just in the search engine, type in Agent Orange, and it'll come up with a lot of information. But I just want to hit a few highlights to show you the long list of diseases and cancers, et cetera, that the VA will presume if a veteran that served over there um, later acquires or later suffers from the, the, will be presumed that it was caused by that. 
So the veteran doesn't have to go out and get their own medical expert letter or so-called nexus letter to connect his or her condition with Vietnam service. So here's the list. Uh, it includes AL amyloidosis, which is a rare disease caused when an abnormal protein amyloid enters tissues or organs. It includes chronic B-cell leukemias, which is a type of cancer that affects white blood cells. It includes a chloracne or similar acne form diseases, which is a skin condition that occurs very soon after exposure to chemicals and looks like a common form of acne seen in teenagers. Under the VA's rating regulations, it must be at least 10% disabling with, within one year of exposure to the herbicides. So that is uh, a unique qualification for that condition. Another one is which we see very common commonly is diabetes type 2, which is a disease characterized by high blood sugar levels resulting from the body's inability to properly respond to the hormone insulin. So diabetes type 2, as we also all know, is a very common um, illness that many Americans suffer. It's, it can be tied to other things like obesity and other causes. But in this case, uh, it's on the Agent Orange presumptive list. Another uh, disease is Hodgkin's disease, which is a malignant lymphoma or cancer characterized by progressive enlargement of lymph nodes, liver, spleen, and by progressive anemia. Also on the list, we see a lot of these, ischemic heart disease, which is a disease characterized by reduced supply of blood to the heart, which leads to chest pain, other heart problems. Uh, also on the list, multiple myeloma, which is cancer of plasma cells, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, Parkinson's disease was already on the list. Again, I tried to distinguish earlier that Parkinson's disease itself has been on the list. What was just added by the legislation went into effect three days ago was Parkinsonism, which is Parkinson-like symptoms, even though Parkinson's disease has not been diagnosed. <clears throat> now, another on the list, presumptive list, is peripheral neuropathy of the early onset uh, version. And I want to talk about that for a moment. Um, peripheral neuropathy is basically a nervous condition that causes numbness, tingling, and motor weakness. Under the VA rating regulations, it must be at least 10% disabling within one year of herbicide exposure. But here's something I really want to emphasize is this rule, this peripheral neuropathy early onset presumption, um, is just one way, one path to service-connect peripheral neuropathy through Agent Orange. Another far more common uh, path to service-connect peripheral neuropathy because of Agent Orange is secondarily to diabetes. I mentioned earlier on this list is diabetes mellitus type 2, and diabetes can cause many other secondary disabilities, which all can then uh, be if they're linked to diabetes as opposed to some other cause, can then lead to disability compensation for the veteran. Well, peripheral neuropathy is one of the secondary disabilities or can be for diabetes. So that's actually a, a, an easier path because uh, many veterans now that might be developing peripheral neuropathy later in life, uh, they don't fall under the peripheral neuropathy early onset type because uh, you know, they can't show, for instance, that it was at least 10% disabling, disabling within one year of the exposure. Okay, uh, real quick to wrap up this list. Also on the list is, uh, uh, porphyria cutanea tarda, which is a disorder characterized by liver dysfunction, by thinning and blistering of the skin in sun exposed, exposed areas. 
under the VA rating regulations, it must be at least 10% disabling within one year of exposure. Uh, another very commonly acclaimed disability now is prostate cancer. Uh, it's one of the most common cancers among men, and that's why there was some controversy when, when it was added to the list. Uh, some critics said that there wasn't sufficient medical evidence that the prostate cancer increase was really due to Agent Orange exposure as opposed to other things. But it's on the list, and that's what uh, is important to the veterans to know. Also on the Agent Orange presumptive list is respiratory cancers, including lung cancer, cancers of the lung, larynx, trachea, and bronchus. Um, I had a client uh, about 10 years or longer ago where he had developed uh, cancer, uh, that uh, was close to his larynx, directly on it. And because it wasn't directly on it, but very, very close, the VA denied it. Well, we eventually won the case because uh, we had an outside doctor, an expert, uh, who provided an expert nexus or medical opinion to service connect that. So this presumptive list is a good starting point. It's not the end of the story, though. And then finally on the list, are various soft tissue sarcomas, uh, which which are different types of cancers in body tissues, such as muscle, fat, blood and lymph vessels, and connective tissues. So, long list. Uh, go to va.gov and type in Agent Orange if um, if you want to know more about that. All right, before we turn things over to Richard Hurley, I just want to remind our listeners that, uh, again, this is a call-in show. If you have any questions, comments, observations, things you want to discuss about veteran issues, our nationwide toll-free call number is 1-888-627-6008. Again, 1-888-627-6008. Okay, let's back over to Richard Hurley. Yeah, before I move over to the, the next uh, VA news, I just wanted to remind our veterans that if you if you have one of these conditions, Ischemic heart disease or prostate cancer, just pointing out too. Um, sometimes, like in the, in the ischemic heart disease, sometimes the uh, the VA will turn around and reduce you from a 60% down to a 30%. Um, and you know, when that happens, it is not the end of the world. You need to step up to the plate and appeal that decision. Um, there's a lot of different reasons that uh, they may do that, and I'm not going to get into my politics about it, but sometimes I think the VA is looking for reasons to uh, save some money, and, uh, and they, they'll turn around and, and reduce a veteran. Uh, but you need to step up and, and you know, get yourself a, a good representative to go out and fight that, uh, because there's, there's residuals, residual issues, for instance, even on prostate cancer. If you have a- active prostate cancer, and then they turn around and they um, no longer act. As they, they tend to drop you down to about 20%. Um, but when they do that, they they uh, clearly overlook the residual factor, and that deals with uh, urination and the the amount of times you have to go. And so you really, again, you know, uh, if if that happens to you, don't freak out. Uh, just get yourself a good representative, get yourself a good lawyer, uh, look at the reasons for the reduction, and then, you know, go to your doctor, and I'm sure you can turn around and, and uh, 
do a successful appeal because the, the VA often overlooks the residual factor of, of a lot of these uh, different disabilities. The U.S. Department of Veteran Affairs announced on Wednesday, December 30th, 2020, that it had administered initial COVID-19 vaccine doses to more than 5,000 veterans residing in its community living centers and spinal cord injury and disorder centers, and more than 50,000 healthcare employees in its first two weeks between December 14th and December 27th are providing COVID-19 vaccines. The VA began vaccinating veterans and frontline employees at 37 initial VA medical centers according to its COVID-19 vaccine distribution plan. Following the Food and Drug Administration's December 11th decision to issue an emergency use authorization for the Pfizer BioTech COVID-19 vaccine, the 37 initial sites to, to first receive the vaccine were selected based on several factors, including having the capacity to store the vaccine at extremely cold temperatures and the ability to offer high throughout, uh, throughput vaccination. Last week, VA announced it began COVID-19 vaccinations at 128 additional sites using the Moderna and Pfizer COVID-19 vaccines. Both vaccines require two, dose, two doses for maximum efficacy. I couldn't be happier with the work the VA employees are doing in taking this important first step toward the end of the pandemic, said VA Secretary Robert Wilkie. Successfully implementing a plan like this in the nation's largest healthcare system takes planning, collaboration, and teamwork. As vaccines become more widely available, we will continue to implement our plan and offer them to any veteran or employee who wants to one at no cost. Per recommendations from Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, VA will continue to vaccinate healthcare personnel as well as community living center and spinal cord unit residents. VA's ultimate goal is to offer COVID-19 vaccinations to all veterans and employees who want to be vaccinated. As vaccine supplies increase, the VA care teams will reach out to eligible veterans to schedule vaccinations. There is no need to pre-register or come to a facility to sign up. Well, that's good news. Back yep. to you, David. Yeah, and more more on that same uh, same topic of COVID-19 news. As you mentioned, um, Rick, the VA expanded from its initial list. They added 128 additional sites uh, for the vaccinations using both the Moderna and the Pfizer COVID-19 vaccines <clears throat> uh, per Centers for Disease Control and Prevention recommendations. The VA will continue to vaccinate healthcare personnel as well as community living center and spinal cord resident residents. Uh, and as the supplies increase, their goal is to ultimately offer the vaccinations to all veterans and employees who want to be vaccinated. Uh, 113 VA medical centers and outpatient clinics began receiving limited Moderna COVID-19 vaccine supplies about two weeks ago, and the full list can be found on the VA's public affairs websites. Uh, sites were identified based on the need for the vaccines according to the CDC's prioritization. After confirming they could uh, store the vaccines appropriately, uh, and uh, since the Moderna COVID-19 vaccine can remain stable at regular refrigeration, the VA expects to distribute it to more facilities when the supplies become available. The Moderna COVID-19 vaccine was found 94% effective in preventing COVID-19 disease based on scientific data presented at the FDA's Vaccines and Related uh, Biologics Advisory Committee on December the 17th. Uh, this vaccine is administered in two doses, 28 days apart. The side effects appear similar to those of other vaccines, and the side effects are short-lived. 
Um, as the vaccines become available, VA care teams will reach out to eligible veterans to schedule vaccination. The VA emphasized in its press release that there is no need to pre-register or to go to a facility to sign up because they're trying to just prevent uh, being overwhelmed uh, at this point. Veterans can get up-to-date information and sign up to receive regular updates, though, on the VA's COVID-19 vaccine webpage. Just go to va.gov, and there should be banner information for COVID-19. If not, type in the search engine on the va.gov website, COVID-19. Uh, now, in other COVID-19-related news, the United States Department of Veteran Affairs announced on December the 30th, 2020, it's a nationwide plan to resume mailing notification letters to veterans for benefit overpayments placed in suspension from April 3rd, 2020 through January 1st, 2021. So that's basically bad, unfortunate news for veterans who had, uh, let's say, VA medical co-payments that they owed or other uh, benefit overpayments that, that the VA put in suspension uh, from April 3rd of 2020 through January 1st, just three days ago. Now, the collection of these overpayments are deferred or was uh, the collection was deferred to provide financial relief to veterans due to the COVID-19 pandemic. According to VA Secretary Robert Wilkie in the press release, and I quote, VA recognizes veterans and beneficiaries may still experience financial distress from COVID-19, and it will continue to offer enhanced relief options for impacted veterans. These include extending repayment plans, waivers, compromises, and temporary hardship suspensions. Most importantly, the department will pause collections through October 2021 for veterans who remain in financial hardship and who request relief. Veterans and beneficiaries with questions regarding benefit overpayments may submit requests online. Go to... Uh, uh, VA.gov for more information. You can call 1-800-827-0648. Again, that number is 1-800-827-0648. The call volume is generally lower Tuesday through Friday. And for health care copayment debts, veterans can contact the Health Resource Center at 1-866-400-1238. Again, for health care copayment debts, which I'm sure there's a lot of veterans affected by this, where their co-payments were put on hold for the last nine months, and now they're going to become due. If there's questions, contact the VA Healthcare Resource Center at 1-866-400-1238, or go to pay.gov, the website pay.gov. So that's uh, a lot of COVID-19-related uh, news affecting uh, veterans. Back over to you, Rick. Thanks, David. You know, David, we, um, I don't get as many, I don't know about you, but I don't get as many veterans who, um, come to me right out, right out of the uh, service, you know, within that first year, I usually get them, uh, more into their fifth, fifth to 10th year, um, since their discharge when, when all of a sudden they start looking for VA claims. But you know these uh, young guys who are just coming, men and women, sorry, who just who are just coming out that first year, it's a tough time. And the VA has a program called Solid Start. Under the VA's Solid Start program, the U.S. Department of Veteran Affairs is personally calling every newly separated service member three times during the first year of separation. That's pretty darn good. 
I'd love to uh, meet one of these veterans who may have gotten some of these calls. For help getting a loan, home loan to health care or returning to work to mental health support, the VA is here for you. That's that Solid Start program. It's your call. So if you are a veteran who recently left active duty, qualified VA representatives will be reaching out to help you better understand the benefits available to you and help you get a solid start on your civilian life. So sure, so be sure to take the call. The VA announced on December 2nd, 2020, as, VA, as the VA Solid Star Program celebrates its one-year anniversary, the Veterans Benefits Administration connected with nearly 70,000 newly separated service members. Annually, the program aims to proactively contact veterans three times during the first year of transition from military to civilian life at the 90, 180, and 360-day mark after separation. The department's efforts have been effective, said VA Secretary Robert Wilkie. Approximately 124,000 service members separated from the military in fiscal year 2020, and nearly 60% of those veterans called answered, resulting in VA connecting recently separated veterans to earn VA benefits, including helping veterans in crisis immediately connect with a suicide prevention specialist. The VA, in collaboration with the Department of Defense and Homeland Security, launched VA Solid Start December 2019 to improve transitioning service members' mental health care and access to suicide prevention resources in the year following discharge, separation, or retirement. The veteran has separated from the military in the past 90 days and has not been contacted by VA Solid Start. Call 1-800-827-1000 to reach a trained VA Solid Start representative. You know, if you're a family member of a veteran who's in that situation, um, and maybe he's or she's just, you know, feeling a little down and after uh, separating from the service and maybe he's got or she's got some issues with anxiety, depression, um, and they're not, you know, either get either getting the calls or picking up the phone to call. This is a great time for you as a family member to pick up the phone and call the program. Again, that number is 1-800-827-1000, and you can reach a trained VA Solid Start representative. You know, a lot of times we criticize the VA for not um, doing more for our veterans, but every once in a while you, you get a program like this that clearly is, something that we need for our for our veterans uh, who are coming home. We've talked many times about the adjustment from military to civilian life and how tough it can be for our, our veterans. So a program like this is a is a solid start. And that's the name of the program. Solid start. One eight hundred eight two seven one thousand. Back to you, David. Yeah, thanks, Richard. Now before I go on to um news I have uh from the VA related to the American Lung Association. I wanted to just uh, add another um, item here tonight. And, Richard, this is something uh, I know you're familiar with. It's fairly recent uh, development in veterans' law, and it stems from a decision just a few weeks ago on December 22nd, 2020, by the United States Court of Appeals for Veterans' Claims, actually a three-judge panel of the United States Court of Appeals for Veterans' Claims, which is a specialized appellate court created by Congress in the late 1980s, specialized in the sense that it just deals with veteran issues. That's it. Well, th- this case, the case was uh, the case of, or is the case of James E. Lawrence, a veteran, versus Robert L. Wilkie, the Secretary of, of VA. And it deals with an ongoing problem that uh, many veterans and many veterans advocates face, which is, uh, to get a copy of their entire VA claims file, or what, as the VA calls it, a C file. The claims file will contain all the information 
historically, um, up to the present time, whatever that case is being processed for the veterans' disability claims, will we'll typically include all the uh, claims correspondence, include copy of uh, medical records, medical opinions, disability benefit questionnaires, uh, relevant uh, military service, medical and personnel records, among other things. And it's very important um, <clears throat> for a number of reasons. First of all, so that the veteran knows what the VA has on that veteran and is considering, uh, but also because um, other rules under the VA disability claims process requires that if a veteran is going out to get his or her own expert medical opinion, in most situations, most because I'm, I know there's been situations where it's been avoided successfully, but in most situations, um, that expert, that doctor, has to consider the entire claims file. Now, in reality, sometimes that entire claims file has a lot of things that are irrelevant, but needless to say, that's the problem. The problem has been the VA has been notoriously slow in providing these. It can take a year or even longer from the time you put in a request to the VA for your claims file for the VA to actually produce it. I've seen cases where it's been much longer. So this case of James E. Lawrence versus the VA, which the court addressed, the background was the veteran's attorney was hired by the veteran file an appeal from an adverse decision and put in a request uh, in uh, November 2019 to obtain a copy of the entire claims file. And uh, when it wasn't produced and the VA and the, and the veteran's representative filed the appeal, uh, then the following uh, August, uh, or basically about nine months later, uh, he submitted um, a request to the court, basically a petition for extraordinary relief to compel the VA, to attempt to compel the VA through a court order to produce that claims file quickly, you know, as soon as possible. Well, long story short, all the nuances and details of the decision aside, the bottom line was the Court of Appeals of Veterans Claims said it had no jurisdiction to address that question. It then discussed... Um, you know, various rules of, of the Privacy Act, Freedom of Information Act, and other VA rules, but it came down to the conclusion which it felt it had no jurisdiction, which basically left, um, and it was a two-to-one vote of this three-judge panel. There was a dissenting judge who basically said, well, what the majority has done is left this poor veteran in uh, kind of a no-man's land trying to get a copy of his claims file in a timely manner. That's what it's about. The VA has not denied that it owes a copy of the claims file to the veteran. It's it's all a matter of, though, does the veteran have to wait a year or two in order to get a copy of it? That's the problem. And this case is uh, is one that's, I think, going to be subject to a lot of criticism. Richard, you know, I've, uh, you know, and I have discussed it, and we're hoping that some other veteran uh, groups will jump on board and work with the attorney of record, uh, which is an attorney out in California, perhaps to appeal this decision, and and uh, on one of our future shows, hopefully, uh, we'll have a guest that will actually be able to talk about this, but this is an ongoing problem, and it, and it's, it should be a minor administrative issue, not something where um, lawyers are even needed, but again, that's what we're left with in the system, and uh, it's, uh, it, it's, a, it's a big obstacle uh, 
before we go on to other news, Rick, any thoughts? Yeah, a lot of thoughts. Because, <laughs> you know, me, I've got 14 BBA hearings next week. And, uh, in, in, out of those, I think, uh, I'm, I think half of them I've actually got the, the C files. And, and so I'll appeal, I'll appear. And one of the first things I'm going to say to the judge is, you know, I don't have my C file. And, uh, and he'll, of course, look in the, there and say, yeah, I see you've requested it two, three, four, five times. He'll shake his head in disgust. Uh, he'll, uh, make a note and he'll even say, you know, I'm going to tell the VA that they've got to, they got to get this out to you right away. And, uh, then in, you know, after that happens, I've contacted the VA and said, you know, Judge so-and-so said, you, you got to get this out to me right away. And they just laugh, literally laugh and say, we'll get to it whenever we're ready to get to it. I mean, there's absolutely no respect that I've run into. There's no respect when, when a BVA judge makes an order and tells the VA to do something, the VA just laughs them off. The other thing is, you know, they've been trying to get us to to go into that system. Um, uh, help me out here, David. The uh, to sign up, and you and I haven't done that. We've decided not to do it for for various reasons. Well, I, I could I could explain, which I'm not going to bother explaining to our audience, but there's more to it than simply declining to but anyway no no but i know that but but one of the things that when when i when i when i've gotten into that and the, and the judges say well are you, you know do you signed up for that and i told them no i have not i still want the c file because the c file is the chain of custody of evidence you know going back to basic lawyering basic litigation that c file mm-hmm. as david just described is yep. the basic information that that we need as lawyers to hold the VA to the fire. Rick, oh, right, don't interrupt me. We've got a caller coming in. we got a caller. Let's, let's take this caller. Perhaps they can. Go ahead. Uh, uh, welcome to the Veterans News Hour. Hello. This is Michael Bryan, Citrus County Veterans Coalition. Hey, How are Michael? you? How are you? We're, good, good. We're in uh, Inverness, Florida. We're a 5013C, and we feed about 100 and, 110 families a month. Uh, we have a food bank every Tuesday and Thursday we open up from 8 till 12 o'clock and we feed them and plus we uh, fix their cars, pay their electric bills, uh, whatever we can do to help. But uh, we need to get more information on how these claims work. And how can and how can people donate more. to your organization? How can people uh, learn more well, about your organization? I guess, uh, I guess you can call our, our telephone number which is 352-400-8952. We get a give lot that, of help from that, the county. Give that to us, give that to us again, okay. uh, just a little slower this time, okay. as well as the name it's of your organization. 352-400-8952. That's okay. our telephone number, one of them. You know, Michael, you but, were uh, you and I were talking earlier today, and you were talking about how uh, you've had situations where, where veterans have plumbing problems, and you've gotten local... Uh, very respected plumbing companies in, in the Citrus County area go out, uh, gratis, pro bono, go out and, and, and fix these veterans' problems. And oh yeah, we got, we got, pretty, it's unbelievable. Great. In other words, I got a plumbing company that anytime I get a veteran, I had one last week. She's a, a veteran, she's living in an old trailer, got about $1,200 a month income, and uh, her faucet in the kitchen it didn't work, and I called this plumbing company up, and they went out and fixed it, no charge. Uh, we get a lot of this. I get put tires on cars. We work with a vocational tech center too. We give them 
money every year uh, for the kids and the uh, veterans. And veterans in there, he can't afford the tools for his, uh, for his, uh, uh, you know, for his job. We, uh, we'll buy the tools for him, uh, to go to school. And, uh, we, we, and veterans and grandkids of veterans, uh, we let them, you know, go with the money, wherever they're going to put the money on stuff. But we definitely do a lot of help. And we, our problem is we're getting, I'm 77 years old, and I'm commanders, I'm vice chairman, and he's 82, and, and, you know, we're getting up there where we can't do what we used to do. You need, you need some young blood. We need younger people to get involved yeah. in it. But, uh, we get, we pay electric bills, uh, we tried a few years ago to get them out of the woods and this and that, but a lot of them don't want to come out of the woods. Or we got a hey, place Mike, up in Gainesville, Florida, we can take them up to. Michael, do you ever deal with vets helping vets in, in Ocala? Uh, no, I, we don't, we just, Citrus County is all we can handle. Okay. I mean, if we get one from Ocala, come down here, we will help him, you know, get him food. And well, stuff. there's, 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 no there's a guy, Hank, Hank Whittier from, uh, Vets Helping Vets. He does a lot of great work. Uh-huh. And he's an old timer like yourself. He's a, he's a Marine. Does a lot of great work. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a really nice, you know, be able to help these people out. And we got plumbing companies, like I say, we got tire dealers, tires we get. Uh, all kinds of stuff. They'll give us discounts and stuff or give it to us, put it on the cars for them. We've got cars for people too. We get cars donated to us. We'll turn around and give them to them. And we get a lot of electric wheelchairs down here. A family will die or something and they don't know what to do with everything in their house. And, uh, they give everything to us and we can turn around and give them a tax letter, tax number for a write off. And we get some like nice electric, uh, scooters and stuff, but we put batteries in them. We can get them at wholesale. And give them back to veterans. Uh, That's great. Give them refrigerators, whatever we can get a hold of. You know, just veterans well, helping veterans. Yeah, it's it's organizations like yours that pick up uh, the, the the slack where the VA kind of drops the ball. And yeah, we really it's we true. really we need, get a lot of calls your... from the VA too helping us. Yeah. But uh, well, I think we're about out of time tonight. Thanks so much for calling okay. in, and uh, and I wish you all the best. Thanks for all you do for veterans. You're welcome. Thank you. Goodbye. We're about out of time, so if you want to go to our coaching and care, we can continue our uh, information and follow that uh, that Lawrence case and upcoming shows. Yeah, we definitely have to. Uh, coaching the care, this is uh, our weekly reminder to our veterans and their families about the importance of this program, the Coaching in the Care program. Helping veterans having difficulty transitioning to home life, returning home can be a tough adjustment and loved ones can help. Coaching the Care offers free coaching to help you help your veterans. Call the program at one triple eight eight two three seven four five eight. It's hours are Monday through Friday, eight a.m. to eight p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Again, the VA's coaching the care number is one triple eight eight two three seven four five eight. In addition, I'd like to once again remind our listeners that if you know a veteran who is suicidal or in a crisis of any kind, the U.S. Department of Veteran Affairs also has the Veterans Crisis Line. Call one eight hundred two seven three eight two five five and press one. Many veterans have committed suicide because they do not get the help they needed. Help them get the care they need to cope with their problems. Once again, the Veterans Crisis Line can help. 1-800-273-8255 and press 1. Back to you, David. I'd like to thank all of you for listening to the Veterans News Hour here on BBS Radio Station 1. I'd like to thank uh, our producer, Mr. Doug Newsom. hope you'll tune in next week, same time, same station. Until then, stay safe and stay healthy. Have a great week.
Thank you for listening to the Veterans News Hour with David Corey and Richard Hurley. We hope you found this week's program very informative. Be sure to invite your friends and all the veterans you know to tune in next week when we'll have another great show on veterans' issues. Meanwhile, you can listen to our other recorded episodes on the Veterans News Hour webpage on bbsradio.com. Thanks again for listening to the Veterans News Hour.